Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi all and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And uh, for my guest, it's very early in the morning and that's characterised by the fact it's early in the morning here in the UK. So I'm suffering and she must be suffering even more. So welcome, (laughs) Cindy Medesra. How are you? Fantastic. It's great to be here. Seattle in the house, I think is the expression, isn't it? Exactly. Snowy Seattle. So are you snowing today, did you say? Are you snowing? Yeah, it's snowing. snowing? Is it? Yeah, slushy. (sighs) Fantastic. Cool. You see, it's a it's a wonderful idea in practice, but we all know what it's like to just live with snow. It's it's just tedious, isn't it? It it can be. It's beautiful <laughs> at the same time too. Fresh. Of course, of course it is. Well, um, it's a delight to meet you, and um, perhaps you should kick off by just telling us a little bit about what it is that you do and who you are. Well, um, I'm an event planner and I uh, co-own a luxury event planning company with my daughter, who is uh, 35. I'm a mother of four and um, I'm also a mother. um, My youngest son has uh, special needs and I seem to spend most of my time um, working with him. An event planning business with your daughter. That must be interesting. It's everybody's happier with a cocktail in their hand. That's I have. That's what I have to say. They're just there. We're all celebrating love or some joyous occasion. It's actually a really wonderful um, thing to do in life. Very it's, gratifying. Very gratifying. Da- but with your daughter. Oh, she's fabulous. <laughs> she's oh, she? absolutely fabulous. Yeah. I like the way you spilled the beans on her age right at the very beginning. That's She'll be delighted about that, I'm sure. <laughs> Okay, but uh, you're not here to talk about event planning today, uh, Cindy. No. So tell me a little bit about more what it is that you're passionate about. So um, I am actually here to talk about, uh, I grew up in a household, middle America, and my father uh, is a pedophile. And um, I wrote a book, what it was like growing up with a pedophile and my experiences in my healing process through that. And it was... Um, a long process of healing. And I would have to say it was in stages. And um, ultimately, since I'm, I really actually wanted to write a cookbook. And in my process of writing a cookbook, uh, as I was jotting down my notes, I was being triggered by all these thoughts in my head as I was going through recipes and um, 
I think design issues. And um, I would write down each thought and then I would pull out another notebook. And before I knew it, at the end of the day, I had five notebooks and I kind of put my hand and placed them on each notebook. And the one that carried the most shame for me, the one that was the most troublesome and also the one that I never really talked about um, other than close friends or pretty much just close friends. And that was uh, the book that I wrote is um, Under the Orange Blossoms. And that one is about my sexual abuse history, the physical abuse, and also the mental abuse that I, I suffered growing up as a child. And I found it fascinating that um, that one was the hardest one to think about, but I thought, what a waste um, to not talk about this because it has so much value in it. And it's also something that is very taboo. Um, people, I find people resistant in talking about it. And so then it, it intrigued me even further. And so then that was the book that I wrote. And I'm hoping by the, by the time, I don't know, by the time I turn 80, I will write that cookbook. But um, right now, this is sort of like um, trying to find a platform so that we could have discussions about sexual abuse, um, predators, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay, um, lots to talk about there. So let's let's mm -hmm. treat the subject with deference and such like. But um, obviously, let's get into it as well, if that's okay. Um, I'm very Absolutely. impressed by the way you can talk about this without the echoes affecting you. And I think that's often the um, the goal of healing or closure is to have the memory without a lot of the emotional content. I mean, there's often the emotional content's going to be there, but you've obviously found a way to come through this, but perhaps you can take us back a little bit without getting too, um, uh, well, you talk about what you want to talk about, but can you give us a sort of an idea about what that abuse is all about and what happened? Uh, so I'll give you the skinny and um, yeah. just part of the reason why I feel so comfortable in talking about this. I think part of it, I don't really define myself by this. I've also had uh, lots and lots of therapy. I'm, most of my life, it felt like I had been in therapy in different stages because there was also times I was very um, reluctant to talk about it and I just had enough. I just didn't want to work on, yeah. on my process anymore. So, um, and can I, can I leap in there? Cause I think absolutely. that's the, that's the very important thing about, uh, I mean, as a therapist myself, you, you work with people and a lot of therapists over emphasize the, the, um, the event, mm. uh, and actually it's a much more useful process to work on the triggers of the memory, uh, as you roll down through the therapeutic process. So the event actually can be left alone somewhat, but I'm also incredibly impressed by what you said there, because, not defining yourself by the abuse is the biggest sign that in a sense you've won because that person doesn't have a hold on you anymore i mean there are, exactly. there are implications and all sorts but people do define themselves by the strangest trauma uh, some and to an external person those traumas look very um, insignificant sexual abuse is obviously not that but some people really do define themselves they and they almost relish the role of a victim and i know that's one of your things isn't it you don't want to be a victim anymore no but actually so i kind of could equate this to something completely different. But what I do define myself as a, as a mom who has a child with special needs. And I think it's because that grief is ongoing, even though he's an adult, it will always be there. And I think it's, I have grief about it, but this, the, the, the part of um, 
being a sexual abuse survivor, it, it, I don't hold any, there, there's nothing there that's binding me to it or holding to holding me in place. So I don't have grief about it. That's all been resolved. So I feel completely open to talk about it. I don't have shame about it. So I'm just free of, of any words or feelings or emotions around it. It's, it's amazing actually, but it did take time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it does, isn't it? And you'd expect it to, because it's, it's a long time ago and B, it's significant. So it's, it's not something you trivially sort of skip past. It has, you know, a lot of meaning. So uh, I'm assuming, I think you said it was in the family of the paedophilia. So um, was your father abusing you and others or was it confined to you? Uh, so yes, so he was abusing me. Um, later on, um, I found out as I was writing the book that he was abusing my sister, and um, which which is a whole other story that you, we could can unpack later. But that was pretty amazing to go through that um, process where I found out it was my sister. Um, interesting enough, and yes, he was also. Um, abusing neighborhood children. And I did not find out about that until I was an adult and uh, they would come up. uh, So I traveled a lot overseas. I I lived, uh, I came back to the States when I was 18. And when I came back, I saw a lot of old friends and that was the time where they shared with me that my father had molested them um, as well and how it destroyed their life, their marriage, um, their sexuality. I, it was just mind blowing. And I thought I was the only one who went through that, but to listen to somebody else who has that, where it destroyed their entire life. I I had incredible guilt about it. Um, I didn't know what to do, but all I could do was just hold space for that person because I, I had empathy and I understood, um, it was hard not to, feel responsible for them but that that was a that was a lot of therapy right there (laughs) just in that yeah yeah we had we had a podcast um i don't know it's about eight or nine months ago with two sisters and uh the three of us talked about this and they'd been both abused by their father and it Mm. was quite an interesting experience because very few people talk about the the sibling effect of um, sexual abuse, because of course they didn't know and had and then found out because of course the father had been sort of swearing them to secrecy. And um, so there was a double yeah. shame because they could have supported each other or fought back or whatever. So, so it's, it's, it's something that's probably underexplored. I think this sibling reaction, but I mean, to be, to be facing down strangers in the street as it were who'd also experienced this this must have been horrendous did you did your mum have any inkling of what was going on I guess she might have done uh you know as smart and as loving as my mother was both my parents have passed um I don't know how she didn't and um I have to kind of give you a little background of of my mother um she's she is a real she was a very very loving affectionate woman so it was um i would never villainize my mother but i would i do recognize her faults i do recognize her shortcomings and i believe that um she rationalized a lot of things that happened in the household she didn't see anything um i did confront her there was a time when i was I had to be under 10 and I did confront her. So I'm going to share a little bit about my story. My father um, 
he started abusing me at five and um can i can i be descriptive here to a certain degree okay um so he started abusing me at five and um so he asked me to uh he took me in the other room one evening and um he took my little hand in his hand and he masturbated himself and what i thought was I thought I had done something wrong because my father cried. So when he cried, I thought, oh gosh, what other, what other terrible thing did I do? So I wasn't understanding what had happened. I didn't, I've never, I never heard of the word penis. I mean, it was not even my vocabulary. I had no idea what was going on, but it was a repetitive thing that happened Mm -hmm. um, for years. Uh, I did not have sexual intercourse with my father. However, from there, um, the masturbation just didn't satisfy him. So he was looking for something else. And um, he took pictures of me and it was pornography. And that was the next stage. So um, that that is actually something that took me to recover. during this process of writing this book, because I had to do social media and I never wanted to take pictures of myself. So it was a a really strange thing to go through. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't know how to find therapy for not wanting to take a picture. But um, now that I look back at that, it was just so obvious, but that was something that I had to recover during this time. Mm -hmm. And there's, there was what I found interesting that there was a lot of little pieces and, that unfolded through this book writing. And one was also my sister, who I didn't realize that was also abused too, not to the degree where I was, but still it's it's all the same. It doesn't matter what hap- what the details are. It was, she still was abused. And um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was, and, it was, and it's, and it's, um, going back to your mother for a second, it's, it's often the situation where it's very difficult when you look back into a family and say one person must have known, mustn't they? But there mm-hmm. is no reason why they should or do. And I think a lot of people get a lot of, and sometimes they do, in which case they deserve the, um, the accountability for that, but often they don't. Uh, and often they're part of the grieving process as well, because that's something about their other partner but they're part of that they should have known but also schools have a place to pay in this as well don't they the this sort of social network and fabric i don't think i mean often i don't know about your, your part of the world but our part of the world they're not great at picking up on those signs and it's actually very difficult to pick up on them and when people do pick up on spurious signals then they sort of come down very hard which actually gets in the way of anybody else sort of reporting anything so there's a sort of there's a very strange social fabric or a, and i suppose um I mean, 100 years ago, the community would have picked this up and the community would have dealt with it. But I think what's happened now is we outsource the professionalization of the penalties to this. And therefore, mm-hmm. actually, it's become very difficult to deal with. Um, yeah. Summary and rough justice 100 years ago would have dealt with your father, I suppose. Well, you know, if I think about it, um, I had bruises on my body. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did tell my mother, she did take me to... it it was sort of like a woman's shelter. They really didn't even back in the seventies, they really didn't even have women's shelters. It was, 
or sexual abuse clinics or anything like that. But I do remember being examined. My hymen was intact. I didn't have broken bones. It was his word against my word. So I was put right back into the family. And I believe, oh, that's where I was going. I believe my mother, um, she was terrified of, of uh, living on her own, working on her own, making a living. And uh, it was something that my father kind of controlled me with. He would said, you know, if you share this, then your mother's going to not have a roof over her head. It'll shame her. The whole neighborhood would know. And that was a uh, the social standing back then was a yeah. very, very big thing. Big thing. How you appear in society, you know, how you dress, what you look like, you know, what you do for a position. I mean, yes, it is the same thing the way it is now, but not, it, it doesn't feel like the same to the same degree as it was when I was um, in, in the seventies growing it's different. up. It's it is different. different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so, so for people who, um, are going through or have experienced this or, you know, finding this um, uh, some sort of um, echo for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's important to know that your story is that you came out of this and you're fine and such like is now. So could you unpack some of the therapies that you went through to, to help you? Was it majority talking type therapy or what else did you get up to? <laughs> you know, honestly, if I could have stood on my head and, and I think I did try that several times, different ways, maybe anything, I was going out there and I was going to find it. So it was also, um, I found uh, at the very beginning, it was um, oh, I going to a therapist. Um, I think just, you know, a family therapist. Then it became a, a, a sexual abuse therapist. Then it became a trauma therapist. And then as therapy evolved, it yes, I escalated. found that there was a specialty for everything. Yeah. And as I was unpacking and unfolding and developing, you know, from a young adult to more a mother, that was a whole other time where I would go to therapy. I also started dabbling a little bit more in alternative therapies, um, which was very, very helpful. And I think in the culmination of everything, I healed from reading and listening to other people and the willingness uh, to heal, I think, is the biggest thing. And to what to what degree you want to. I think it's all a matter of choice. And how much do you want to dig in there? Because it is not fun going in the past or dredging up old things. And I even found that uh, writing through trauma was horrific. I thought that was one of the worst experiences I possibly could have ever gone through because you're really recalling yeah. um, what does the room look like. It almost felt like I was doing a trauma groove in there, a, uh, like a trauma groove in there. And it was worse than going to therapy because you're writing about details, like what happened? What was the year? What did it look like? What was the the, the color of the room, where was your pain in your body? And you're writing all these crazy details. And I have to say in therapy, there's not a therapist that would go and dig to that level. So I found that to be probably, I wouldn't recommend that for anybody, but I am glad I did it. Um, and I did it in hopes that I would find somebody else, uh, other people, probably people I would never meet, but if I could give hope to somebody else and let them know that, yes, you can have 
an amazing life. Yes, you can be a professional. Yes, you could have a very healthy relationship. Yes, you can choose how you want to be and show up in this world. And to me, that was, um, it was such, it's been such a long journey that I thought it was a shame not to share this with somebody else, that we all have choices and we can heal. And it's to what level each individual wants to go. There's, there's no right and wrong in this process. No. And I think you've, for me, um, it's all about choice. It always has been, it always will be. And I think that's really interesting, but I love that phrase that, um, your willingness to heal. And I think that's, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because some people, how can I put this? Um, I wouldn't say they quite enjoy the drama of it um, because that's possibly too much, but some people quite enjoy the victim status, don't they? Um, some people, mm-hmm. I mean, I have people who arrive in my um, place and I'll say, I have PTSD. I've been diagnosed with PTSD and I'm sort of, you know, it's the excuse, it's the reason. And they'll talk about situation at work and I'll say, ah, but you can't say that because I've got PTSD and <laughs> we'll go through this whole thing. And then you'll talk to them and it becomes pretty self-evident, pretty obvious straight away they haven't got PTSD. But <laughs> and they were <laughs> and they were diagnosed by the pharmacist or who said it might be something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but there are some people yeah. who who do define as a victim, They'd, and their choices to to self identify there. Um, and I think your your point is for a tr- for a, um, a victim who's gone through this experience that willingness to heal is absolutely vital, and mm-hmm. and that's part of the acceptance phase, isn't it? And it's also part of I don't know what you think about this because I might be wrong here, and I'd be interested in your view. Some of it's about growing up. Yes, I I think so. Um, The evolution of just being human and going through it. I have to say there was a pivotal part there. I was 10 years old. And um, in my book, I describe where I felt so stuck, um, so trapped. There's no other word, trapped. Mm. And um, my, uh, yes, and I was, and my mother and my sister, we would all, well, it's kind of grim humor, but we would all talk away about fantasies, about how if my father didn't exist and and if he is here, we would, it was all hypothetical, mm-hmm. what would we do to get rid of him? And so I watched this episode, oh gosh, it was um, a murder she wrote, and my oh, yeah. mother loved Agatha Christie. And in the one episode, um, this lady poisoned her significant other or somebody else with arsenic. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's it. I'm going to kill my father. I'm going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to tell my sister or my mother because then I thought, well, then they're accessory to murder. And um, I remember taking um, cutlery into my bedroom thinking I was going to stab my father every time he comes into the bedroom, taking a pillow, you know, trying to stab the pillow. But then as I was thinking through that thought process, I thought, well, first of all, I can't play with sharp knives because they could hurt somebody. And so I had a butter knife in my bed. And then I thought, well, what about all the ribs? And I can't see. I thought about throwing my blow dryer in his bathtub when he was taking a, you know, and I thought about the rat poisoning that was in, in the, Oh, the pantry way up high on the shelf. And I thought, well, I could put it in his coffee, but I, my sister loved sipping his coffee. So I thought, well, no, I'm going to kill my sister. 
in the same thing. And uh, it was it was a terrible process. But where I'm going with this, through this process, I had an epiphany and I thought, oh, I am scared just like my father. I am stuck in fear. I'm behaving just like him. I'm thinking just like him. I want to hurt somebody all the time. So in this process, it was like a, a true aha moment that I had become my father. I had become the monster. I was thinking about, I, I, I didn't recognize who I was. And I remember thinking, how can I do the opposite of mm-hmm. what he does? How can I be the opposite of who he is? And, you know, I have to say I was 10 years old and I yeah, right. came to that conclusion and boy, never underestimate a child. They are so capable of, mm-hmm. of figuring things out. And that was sort of like my journey, a, a very beginning early stage of like how I do not want to become like him. Yeah. I think that's a very wise observation. Um, and I don't think people should underestimate that because I think having that epiphany at such an early age is is, is amazing. And it just shows the, the true dilemma in children that they're brought up with a strong sense of values, but actually with a, an abusing father, the values work against, this, the values serve to control almost, don't they? And it's mm-hmm. it's tough, isn't it? And I mean, you must, it's interesting as well, isn't it? You, you do get um, abuse victims who bring up their, own children in exactly the opposite way but actually that's still Mm -hmm. a control mechanism it's about finding a new way isn't it a way that works for you and your own unique circumstances and you know you've got you've got your own family and that works and and often this has an effect on your own personal relationships with husbands and partners and spouses and things as well so that can create its own sorts of challenges as well no, no, um, Cindy, yeah. you're going to have to tell us because I'm just conscious of your time rolling past and I don't want to be oh, disrespectful no of no it. Well, we, well, we better find out what this book's called, um, <laughs> what people can expect when they read it and where they can find it. Um, it's a memoir and it's called Under the Orange Blossoms. And actually, you could find it at any bookstore. I'm I'm, I'm on every source you could possibly, possi- you possibly, yes, everything. You You name it, I'm on it. So you could purchase it anywhere. It's also um, my, actually my sister, beautiful sister. She did the audio portion of it, and I love the fact that she <laughs> she kind of captured. Um, both of my parents are immigrants. Uh, my dad's German, my mom's Mexican, and she kind of captured the personality. It's it's not like she was definitely spoke perfect English, but the way she insinuated or phrase certain words, I thought, oh, that's just like how my parents would have mm-hmm. talked. And um, I thought she also captured my voice pr- brilliantly in there. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that my sister did the audio portion in there. Yeah. And, um, and I've just been on to Amazon.co.uk, which is our version, and it's, it's got 23 five and four star reviews. So I mean, you know, and it's obviously it's sort of the things that people are saying in the reviews are they just wanted to reach out and give you a hug halfway through it. So it's it's obviously got some sort of um it obviously has an emotional impact for people for that need to hear its message. So I think I think it's it's obviously yeah. not just for survivor abuse survivors of abuse. I'm guessing it's for anyone with some sort of trauma in their lives. I I I completely agree with you. I think it's anybody who is looking for hope or some kind of inspirational story about how how to get through. And I also have a whole section dedicated to what are the tools that I used. So it's it's not just about a story that 
that I went through. It's a, it's a perspective of a young girl. I also was suicidal too, and mental illness. And, um, it also shows a perspective of my voice right now, uh, the wise old lady and um what i how it was raising children and the, i talk about the ther the therapies that i went to but it was also uh, since i lived in a foreign country i didn't speak the language um and i didn't have access to a library there was a lot of things when i became suicidal um that i had to find ways to heal myself and so they were things that i used and i wrote, wrote down the tools and apply them into the story so that people could see what um, that the practical tools. They're all, they're all free. They're all simple uh, things where you don't. Maybe you could look up some of these things in the internet, or maybe you could find a, a sliding scale feel a sliding scale scale fee for a therapist. Um, there's a lot of resources out there that don't cost money, but I do recommend. Um, going through all the therapeutic modalities that a person could possibly go. It's not just one form. And I also have to say, if you don't like a therapist, don't see that therapist. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely. paying wonderful, good money. Yeah. And if you don't resonate with that therapist, find somebody that you resonate with. And because I think, you have, I think also you have it's the choice. About, yeah, but also it's not just about, even if you do resonate with one, it's about not staying um, tethered to them for the next five or six years. I think it's a, it seems mm -hmm. to be an American thing that you have this um, ongoing relationship. Sure. Whereas over here, we have a much more... Um, transactional approach. I mean, I do meet people who've been to therapists for four years, paying quite a lot of money every single week or month, and, they, they, and they're getting very little benefit from it other than having that routine. And uh, mm. as I pointed out, you could just have a good friend. Oh, that's interesting. You last. <laughs> so, I no, mean, there are a lot. That's really off, interesting. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are therapies that work very fast and very effectively. Um, but but I think what you're saying, which, is, which has made me prick up my ears is this it's this blend of therapies which is the key you can have fast things like emdr and hypnotherapy and blast and all these other sorts of things but but actually there is a there is a place for slow quiet thoughtful meditative practices as well so it's you know i like i like the holistic approach and some alternative stuff why not yeah. you know I, i've had people polishing their chakras and you know manipulating their crystals and why not <laughs> You know, who cares? And I've been there. I, yeah. Yes. I'm holding up my hand. Yes. Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, yeah. we've had, you know, have, we have all sorts of people here and um, everything has its per place and its purpose for people that want to hear that message or with whom that message resonates. So why not? There's no mm -hmm. judgment here. It's been a joy, mm -hmm. Cindy, to talk to you today. And um, I wish you well. I don't need to wish you well with the book because the book's already storming through the charts. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And um, I'm guessing it means it just needs a sequel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it needs a cookbook. Yeah. So people want to find you. Um, where did that, where did they do that? So just remind us of the name of the book again, if you would. Cindy Benezra. And the name of the book is um, Under the Orange Blossoms. And if you want to reach out to me, I have a blog. Um, it's Cindy Talks at CindyTalks.com. Or, yeah, at Cindy Talks. Good. Yeah, and it's Cindy with an I and not a Y, isn't it? C-I-N-D-Y. That's right. So Talks just crammed together. Brilliant. It's been a joy. I've really enjoyed our time together. And it, you can now take Likewise. off all the makeup and go to bed. 
<laughs> you too. Pass it through. Have your coffee. Pass it through. Yeah, I shall. <laughs> Thanks so much. You've been an absolute joy. Thank you too so much for your time and all the very, very best. Thank you. Take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.